Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented exclusively on the Chop Sports Channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We're recording this on Thursday, April 20th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the Europa League, the Premier League. But first, oh my God, Manchester United are terrible. Jesus. Okay. Uh, as you know, this is our standard practice now. Like, share, subscribe to the show. Like, share, subscribe to the show. We need you. We want you. We want you to be part of this show. And please give feedback. Text me. Go on the WhatsApp group. Go on the Facebook group at Squeaky Bum Time. And you can hang out and have a good time. Let's get to it. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Normally, I would have started with Manchester City. But we just had a Europa League contest with Manchester United, who had to go down to Sevilla uh, and rescue their draw. As you know, in the first leg at Old Trafford, United were up two goals to nil, and in the final 10 minutes, yacked it, especially on an own goal by Harry Maguire. But wait, it gets worse. I'm not watered down because I'm dying of thirst. Uh, In this match at uh, the Sanchez Pizjuan, I believe that's the name, in Sevilla, a hotbed of football. The fans are all wearing white. The place is loud. The place is bonkers. They are sitting in 12 Sevilla. Just won two games in a row to get out of the relegation zone. They're too big to go down in Spain. But they come and lay the smackdown on Manchester United. They get their first goal in the first 10 minutes on an error between De Gea and Harry Maguire. I'm going to give this one to De Gea. He's the one who can see the players that are around Maguire, regardless of whether Maguire asked for the ball. He had three players around him. Maguire takes it, passes it across. They pick it up on playing out from the back and score a goal. I'm more interested in this part of it. And I'm loath to defend United. I mean, I love the schadenfreude of them being terrible, but I have been talking about it all season. Ten Hag is a good coach, and this United team are not good. Their good run of form came from Marcus Rashford playing out of his skin after Ten Hag brought him back from the edge and his injuries to his shoulders went away. This team has been living on the edge. Their goal difference has been bad. When they're bad, they're very bad. Those first two games of the season were not were not. Not them, it was them. They got blown out a couple times, probably five goal, three goals to Brighton, another four to Brentford. I can't remember if that's right or wrong. They got blown out by Liverpool. They had a good second half against City, but they were already down 5-0 by the time they started scoring. So they've had a poor season in the midst of this revolution by Ten Hag. And this was another case of Varane and Martinez being out. If you remember before the... um. The transfer window closed. It was all worry. It was all doom. It was all gloom. Um, Martinez came in and brought some stability, got that Lindelof-Maguire pairing out, and there's a reason. They're both out, and Lindelof and Maguire played in this game, and Maguire just has a mistake in him every single game. He's without confidence. The players around him are without confidence. So really, this is about United need to be happy with where they are. They're just not ready. Um, Ten Hag needs two or three more players 
Uh, Anthony's had to play way too much. He's not ready for the Premier League. He's not ready for away at Sevilla with the crowd growing nuts. And I do give, I give Ten Hag credit. You know, he's made do with what he's had. He tried to work with Veghorst because he did a certain role and got them to play a certain way. And without him, it hasn't been right. He's like Marshall. Marshall comes in and of course he gets injured again because that's the story of his career at this point. He's injury prone. He can't play that many games and he's unable to really get himself back in action. And so United just got smoked. And then another goal, I think is the third, the third goal. Uh, the second goal came on a cro- on a corner early in the second half. You thought Ten Hag would be like, "Hey, we'll settle down. We'll get. We'll take this game together." First corner, second half goal. Sevilla on an amazing header comes off the shoulder, loops in. I don't know. De Gea probably wasn't at fault for that. It took a weird bounce. But the last goal was just a high ball over the top. He tries to bring it down. He's way out of his goal. It falls to Sevilla, and they are up three nil. And cue the party. This was naive from United. They were never in this game. They played scared. They played weak. They played like Ole's late United or Rangnick's United. You know, these kind of performances where you're just like, what team is this? They're so far away from challenging. I mean, the only t- I think about, so if I think about in juxtaposes with City, the only time City had performances like this would be against like Liverpool at Anfield where, where we weren't ready. And we just like, I, I think of that semifinal in 17, in 18, 19, in the quarterfinals where Anfield just erupted and, and just swallowed City whole and we didn't know what to do. This is what happened with Sevilla. Sevilla are a name brand team. They have five Europa Leagues, they get European nights and they came and saw an opportunity in a down season. This is still basically the same group uh, aside from Kunde um, that won the Europa League or had finished top four in La Liga over the last four or five years in a row. It still has Rakitic, still has Fernando, still has Jesus Navas. So older heads, capable heads, and then just the Spanishness of being able to play and and then and then showing fight. So they played an English style of press and attack and passion and fight while still retaining their ability to play. And they cut United to pieces. And this, weirdly, I'd say is probably the most disappointing performance of the season for United because in the games where they got blown out, aside from the two early in the season, Liverpool at, at Anfield, fine, it can happen. Or, or Liverpool, they 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 showed up. Or City, they're not at City's class. Or they had a great performance against against uh, Arsenal, but they're just not quite there yet. And there's a little bit of inconsistency and naivety. I do get the sense that Ten Hag is still learning this team and is still learning what some of these bigger European knights mean. I know with Ajax, he had big games and they beat Real Madrid, and and but he had had that team grooved and had been with them and knew who they were but he I think he's still having moments where he'll go with United and be like I think they've got this and then he just goes oh my god they don't have this <laughs> or oh my god we don't have the players we're not ready for this and they just get the doors blown off them and this was one of those games where United could have really gotten beaten badly um uh De Gea didn't help some of the problems that United have had this season showed up again depth um scoring 
Um, no Bruno. I think he was on a red card or, or had a little bit of an injury. So it was Sabitzer, Erickson, and Casemiro. Casemiro is not a fucking magic destroyer. He doesn't just make defenses work. Um, Dallow had to come off for Shaw. I think Shaw is going to have to go into defense because Maguire just simply can't play at this point. Uh, Wambasaka was wandering into the midfield. He can't do that. Uh, Anthony has gotten better of late. He does have moves, but he still does flicks and tricks and still fucking around. And I don't know where Sancho is. Um, it just doesn't seem to work when it's not Bruno and Veghorst, weirdly, and Rashford uh, and Varane and Martinez with Shaw and 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 Malasia and and that side of the of the fullback area does what it wants, but they really don't have enough depth to sort of handle adversity. And this was a tough game, and I don't give, I don't take it lightly for United to have had this time. I think any team would have had a hard time in this game, but don't play out from the back when you have shaky defenders who are afraid. Don't play out from the back in a hostile environment with a keeper who can't play out from the back. You've got to hoof it. There's an old saying for a reason. You have to earn the right to play. And United did not earn the right to play, and they got punched, kicked, and hurt. Uh, They'll have to go again. They have to regroup, and they do have Brighton in the FA Cup. And we'll talk more about those semifinal games in the moment. But I just wanted to, it was fresh in the mind, the United game. But we will go to the Champions League because we're in to the the semifinal rounds. We know who is in it. We know who's going to play. And it's very, very exciting because we have real blue bloods, even though these quarterfinals really did peter out. But let's go through it really quickly. Napoli. Oh, Angela, I'm so sorry. Napoli, blow it. Milan holds firm uh, through the over the two legs. Napoli probably took 50 more shots. Let's see, in the first leg, uh, they had 16 shots, six on target. In the second leg, they had another 20. They had, you know, 36 shots. That's 10 on target and only scored two goals. Uh, Cavicella, Cavarcialia missed a penalty somewhere in there. But this was a Giroud game. This was Naus. This was Olivier Giroud just being the... Um, the man about town who shows up in big games, shows up in historical matches, shows up at the top levels of football, and he's not loved by anyone, but he's still there. He's a he's a warm blanket. He's comfy. He's a player that plays for the team. Giroud just dispatches um, a goal for Milan, gets them their goal that they need. Usman finds one late, but there's not enough time. And the great and powerful Napoli go out to set up um, a Milan Derby, uh, which is a massive, massive result for people who love football over the years. We have Inter versus Milan, uh, the downtrodden, ultra damaged, institutionally crap, racist league of Syria A that has probably slipped behind Germany and maybe even Spain at this point. They're probably the third best league in the world. Uh, France is probably still running up in fifth place because of the PSG thing. But Italy's gone through a hard time. But we're seeing now that they've done really, really well in these knockout tournaments and Inter and Milan um, 
face each other in one of the semifinals. Just to give you context, the two best players of the strikers for these teams are Ed and Dzeko and Olivier Giroud, two players who 10 years ago were brought to the Premier League as top strikers, uh, Dzeko coming from Wolfsburg and uh, Giroud from Montpellier, who had respectively just won their league within the last two or three years, had just won the their league's uh, shocking, uh, won the Bundesliga and uh, Ligue 1, respectively. So the, we're talking about players who helped teams in their respective leagues win before Bayern went on their 10-game, 10, 10, 10 in a row streak, and, and PSG went on their eight and 10 years streak. So these guys are long in the tooth, old school strikers who are trying to do things. Inter, the more recent, actually, Elon is a, Milan is a defending champ in Serie A, so they have a good pedigree. They have Zlatan hiding at 41 years old on a bench and Inter, the, the previous league champion. So there's an infrastructure of good teams here, but, you know, we know the levels of Serie A are a little bit lower, uh, but these are two teams that between them have 10 Champions Leagues, three to Inter, seven to AC Milan. So these are historical clubs that will have fandom and have all that institutional strength that I talk about with Real and I've talked about a lot in the last month. Those institutions, the muscle memory of this is where we're supposed to be in these games. So this Inter versus Milan derby is going to be massive for a Champions League two-legged tie all in the San Siro. They share a stadium in uh, Milano, a uh, 100-year-old, built by Mussolini. I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> These two clubs are going at it in the decaying world of Serie A, and they will face, in a rematch of the darkest moment of my life, Real Madrid and Manchester City will face off in that round with, and I'll go to the Bayern game right now, City getting through 1-1 versus Bayern. They really just... City really just sat back and really just controlled Bayern in the second leg, having had the three-goal lead, and really just did the big brother hand on the forehead thing. And we're just like, you come try and punch us. And Bayern did. I give credit to Bayern. They fought. They gave everything they could. But they just couldn't break through uh, against, against City. City are just too good, too much power, too much um, now. City have a new strength to them they are a defensive team holland gives them something different the idea that city were better without holland is absurd what holland does that makes city different from the past is it's a defensive strength holland allows city to simply clear a ball and get it to stick with him and allows him to move out and lets them play again he also allows for there to be less pressure. Fullbacks can't push as high because of the danger of Holland being able to play in behind. So when teams try and pressure City when they're pushing for a goal, there's just more solidity because City can sit back. They know they have an outlet and the team as a whole is playing in a much, much, much more defensive posture. City are dropping into two banks of four, sometimes five and four. They will defend. City finally understand that in the Champions League, you cannot control games with the ball. And when you lose the ball, you can't panic. You need to just go, okay, this is our time. We're going to suffer. We're going to defend. We're going to handle this. City allowed. I mean, this is crazy. Bayern Munich had 58% possession of the ball. City only had 42. That means they let Bayern have the ball, which is just mind-blowing 
for City at this point. This is not something that City does. Ederson made the saves he needed to. He was five of five. He's starting to find his strength, or we're not, or City are not giving up as good chances as they used to. Used to be that Ederson would have one-on-ones that he had to save all the time. Now those saves come with someone in the face of the shooter, with defenders around him. So if he spills it, it's fine. He doesn't have to come out and cut down angles. He can allow defenders to pick up certain angles where he can get into a better position to save. City just have a more defensive posture that allows them to soak up pressure. This is new City. People can talk about narrative, about offense and attacking, blah, 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 and Holland. This is a much, much more traditional, balanced, defense-first, solid team from City that has Holland and De Bruyne and has the hardworking Bernardo Silva and has Grealish who fucking gets stuck in. They have found something in him. He's bringing, what's my favorite term? Englishness, because he's, you know what, actually English. So he's defending, he's hardy, he's tough, he runs, he gets kicked, he gets fouled. And I just love what's happening from City. It's a different type of game. It's a different type of game. It's more hardy. They can take a punch, they'll scrap, they'll fight, they play much more defensive style versus where they were under Pep in previous years. So it's an amazing transformation and a different version of City. And they'll take that to see Real Madrid, who dispatched Chelsea, who the less talked about the Chelsea matchup with Real Madrid, the better. Chelsea are just Chelsea are just cooked. Um, and I do want to talk about Chelsea. They they lose, they don't score a goal versus Real Madrid. Uh, they play very defensive, trying to hold on for an hour, but the inevitableness of the great and powerful. Uh, Real Madrid within this tournament is just something to behold. I don't know how how Real Madrid, again, this is that institutional thing. They have an institutional strength. They expect to win. This is their tournament. There's nothing that they won't do to win the Champions League. It's not happening in La Liga. They won La Liga last season, but didn't win the Champions League. Now, did they? Champions League. Did they win the Champions League? I don't even fucking know who won the Champions League. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so funny that you can't even remember who won the Champions League last season. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Liverpool? I don't know. No, it was Real Madrid. They beat, they beat Liverpool. I watched it here. Yes, they beat Liverpool 1-0. So they, they're La Liga champions. They were they won a double of the Champions League and La Liga uh, under Ancelotti. Rodrigo scores two goals. Chelsea just don't really do anything. And within the aggregate, you know, they play defensive, Havertz plays, but it's Gallagher and Conte with Fernandez and Mateo Kovacic. Basically, they only play one guy up front, and they just try and play a back five and soak up pressure and just try and make it shitty. Frank Lampard is not a good coach. I shared something earlier that he's won for his last 19 games in the Premier League. One win in 19. It's just not good enough in all competitions, excuse me. So granted, a lot of that was with Everton, but Chelsea are a club in crisis. Their season is now completely over, completely done, nothing to play for on 39 points, can't move up into the European places, can't move down, can't do anything. And this is a club, you want to talk about being in crisis. This is a real crisis. I think often we throw around crisis club on a weekly basis. You know, under Ole, every time United lost a game or lost and drew, they would be in another, they'd be in a crisis. Chelsea are in a real crisis. They have an owner who doesn't know what he's doing. 
who doesn't trust anyone, who's the richest guy in the room and tells everybody what to do. And he has no clue. Uh, they've spent money that seems like bad money. Uh, a lot of the contracts are based on being in the Champions League. All those players that sign those big contracts, they're going to get pay cuts because the players are not in the Champions League, so they can't pay them Champions League wages. That's not what they signed up for. Uh, they're going to want to move on. There's there's financial fair play things. There's lots of things going on with Chelsea. This is a hollowed out club, and it has to find a new identity, or it could get very ugly. There is nothing that says that these clubs have to stay where they are. I think you know earlier speaking about the Italian teams, I'm sure Inter Milan and AC Milan thought they would be top of Europe for a long time, and you know, under Mourinho in 2010, they probably felt great. But when you have institutional rot and you have broken systems and you have graft and you have cheating, like we have with Juventus, we can talk about them in a minute as well. You cannot win. You cannot sustain your club. You can't sustain. You can slip. Chelsea can become a mid-table team. Chelsea can become Aston Villa. They got relegated. They had never been relegated. Everton still has never been relegated. They were a, as big a club as at Liverpool up until the mid-80s. It can happen. It's real. It's unforgiving. This is the most, this the European football, and specifically the Premier League, is the most competitive league in the world. You can't have a bad manager. You can't have a bad infrastructure. You can't have a bad owner. Or at least one who's completely learning on a job. You will fucking suffer. You will disappear. So Chelsea need to get themselves sorted, see where this season goes, and get Tom Bowley away from the football side of things. He doesn't know what he's doing. He thinks this is U.S. sports. It's completely different. It's not the same at all. U.S. sports is forgiving. You can fuck up. You get money. You just have a few bad seasons. In English football, if you bring your club down, it fucking disappears. So... Don't faff about. It can happen. The Premier League is very competitive. Just to give you a sense, Southampton, they beat Arsenal this year. They drew with Arsenal. They drew with Manchester City. That's the last place team in this league. Okay? It's fucking serious. So um, let's go through to the preview back to that Real Madrid versus Manchester City preview. Um, this is the site of my most painful moment, <laughs> the uh, the last year's Champions League where City were up two goals with one away goal and yak it. They give up two goals in the final minute and then one in extra time and lose it. 6-5 um, on aggregate. Um, this is a real test for City. It's not going to be a joke. City are, City are better on paper. They've had the better season. They're better in XG. Bah, 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 bah. All that shit goes out the window. This is Real Madrid in the semifinal of the Champions League. All ghosts, all animals, all beasts, everything is on the table. You have to kill the champ. This is hostile territory against a three-time defending champ, and you have to knock them out. You're not going to get the decision. You're not going to get the judge who gives you a round. You must destroy all seven heads of the fucking Hydra. That is Real Madrid. So for City, it's about holding on, getting a result, and not or not having a very bad result at the better bail. This time it's different. City, go to Real first. There's an advantage to playing in your home 
the second leg. So City will have the second leg at the Etihad. Last time, last time it was at the Bernabeu. And so uh, City will go to Real Madrid and try and win from there. Um, but there are other tournaments to fight through, and we have plenty of time to get through this. But our quarterfinalists, Real, City, Milan, Inter. I'm excited. Whatever happens, uh, aside from Real Madrid, any of the teams winning would be a major, major story. So if Milan or Inter defeated City or Real, that would be a massive story. If City defeat Real Madrid and we get uh, Milan or Inter versus City, we'll have a massive story. No matter what happens, it's going to be great. I just want City to win. I will cry real tears and I will broadcast it live for you so you can laugh. Okay. Uh, those are in two weeks. So the first semifinal is May 9th, uh, the second on May 10th, and then the 16th and the 17th. So it's a bit about a month away. So hold your horses there. Uh, we need to go to the FA Cup before we get to the previews of the Premier League. So um, we have our quarterfinals of the FA Cup. They are both happening at Wembley on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. The Saturday game is Manchester City versus Sheffield United. Sheffield United are going to be joining us back in the Premier League. Um, so good on them. Heckenbot Paul Heckenbottom has got the team going up. Despite the charge from Mid Middlesbrough, Sheffield United did hold on and get themselves going. There's some of the players from Chris Wilder's Sheffield United on this team. Still a very, very good side, um, but not, not in the class of Manchester City. City should have no problem dispatching um, with this team you know, not really that bad. This is the sixth semifinal in the last seven seasons for City. Uh, we've lost many times at this stage, mostly to Arsenal uh, and once to Chelsea. Um, Sheffield United looking for their first semifinal since 1936. Sheffield, the home of football, one of the literally they wrote the rules to uh, association football in the city of Sheffield, a steel town known for cutlery. That's why they're the blades they used to make stainless steel knives and forks in Sheffield. Uh, very famous ground. The beloved Hillsborough <laughs> is in Sheffield of Sheffield Wednesday. Is that right? I don't know. I get I get them wrong all the time, um, but it's an amazing feat for um, for for the Blades. Uh, Ilaman Indai is the one carrying their team, scoring goals for fun. Sander Berg playing great. Rian Brewster, who I talk about a lot, isn't there. But for them, this is a difficult game because James McAtee and Tommy Doyle, both city graduates and on loan at the Blades, will be unavailable as they have been loaned to <laughs> Sheffield United. So they'll be a little bit shorthanded, but City should probably play a not a weak inside. I think it'll be, you know, your Riyad Mahrez, your Phil Foden's, maybe Laporte will come in. So City will take, I mean, City don't really have a B side. Maybe some of the kids will play, but they will be expected to be at their top level. So uh, I'd expect Holland to play, play a half, then come off the way he has been because he wants to get to that 50 goal mark. By the way, Holland is just fucking incredible. He scored the goal <laughs> against Bayern Munich. Just inevitable destructive force for good and evil uh early holland is just a machine he even missed the penalty so city really should have defeated Bayern much easier the other game and the more interesting game especially after the severe result uh these games are at uh wembley these are not home and away this is at wembley um brighton in a semi-final 
against Man United after completely dismantling Chelsea, completely annihilating Spurs and getting fucked. They go to you. They have United in this game. And the way Maguire and Lindelof played, the weakness of the United midfield, Casemiro is going to have his hands full with Caicedo. If, if United play like they did today against Sevilla, they're going to get beat by Brighton for sure. Like without a doubt, uh, Brighton are really good. Uh, they're going to need to get Juan Bissaka on to material uh, on Matoma and stick to him like glue and don't let him out of their sights. This is a great Brighton team. They should be favorites. And I think that they are, if I have to look up the bookies, but I'm not going to, they should be favorites. And I would recommend watching this game. Brighton man United Sunday is going to be a battle. Uh, United are trying to have an all Manchester final. If city beat Sheffield, then they'll know before uh, man United versus Man man city versus United in the FA cup to prevent a treble would be an incredible narrative. If United can get past Brighton um, city still have to get past United Sheffield United. I don't want to uh, belittle that fact. That's a real thing, but you'd expect city to get through to the final. And then it could be United, a Manchester Derby in Wembley on the FA cup final, the last day of the season before the champions league final, whoever's in that to prevent city from getting a treble. Oh my God. I can't, I can't I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, that should be really good. City are superior to United. But again, these things go out the window in these types of games. So exciting stuff. So we've done some Europa League. I should go back. I'm going to go back to the Europa League just to talk about the other teams in the Europa League because they're kind of fun. So we know about United uh, losing. The other semifinals uh, in the Europa League look like this. Um Roma and Jose Mourinho take on uh, Leverkusen, who got past um, Union Saint-Gilois <laughs> uh, pretty easily. And Juve, who have been rejuvenated. They had a 15-point deduction and were out of the Champions League in Serie A, has been reinstated. So they go from 15 points down to 15 points up. If I were any of the other teams, I would be super fucking pissed because Juve are fucking crooks and everybody knows it. They take on Sevilla over two legs. So... Roma with Mourinho. Um, Javi Alonso is the coach at Leverkusen. He's done great with them. So that's exciting. A lot of Spain, a lot of connections to those two, to those two managers. And then Juve and their scammed season under Allegre take on Sevilla, who have just defeated United. That's the Europa League semifinals. Those happen within a day or two of the Champions League. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, we have this. Just wanted to make sure we covered those European nights. We've got some big wigs, Sevilla, Juve. Roma, Leverkusen, we're getting to the, the business end of the season where the big teams or the big levels are still there and still doing things. I do not want to go without talking about the Europa Conference League <laughs> only because <laughs> I have to talk about our friend, our friend David Moyes, who has got his flying hammers, who just defeated Genk. 5-2 on aggregate, a 4-1 scoreline at the London Stadium. Just batter gank. Mikel Antonio with the brace, Declan Rice with a screamer. Just, you know, they may be in the relegation zone, but they might win the Europa Conference League. Has anyone won a European trophy without actually uh, and get relegated? So 
the final four, and that is um, West Ham versus AZ Alkmaar, the Dutch outfit, and Fiorentina versus Basel. Uh, Fiorentina doing really well. Basel, uh, a good team in the Swiss League. I like this division. It's it's perfect for little teams like this. Why not, right? Why not? So I just wanted to give a shout out to David Moyes and his European pedigree around that. So to summarize, Champions League, Final Four, Real versus City and Inter versus Milan. Then the Final Four in the Europa League is um, Leverkusen versus Roma and Sevilla versus, oh my God, I just talked about it. Uh, Sevilla versus Juve. No, that's not right. Anyway, uh, I'll figure that out in a minute. <laughs> I think it is Sevilla versus Juve. Uh, and we do continue on with that. And the Conference League uh, is is uh, is is with West Ham, who have a great shot at winning that. But, oh, and the FA Cup, uh, Brighton versus United and United Manchester City versus Sheffield. We got so many cups. I don't know what to do with all these cups. Cups here, cup there, cup everywhere. So for Bernard, my brother, who asked me, how do I know which games are going on? Just follow a team and just watch all their games. Then you don't, you'll figure out what cups they're in, whatever. The games on the weekend are almost always the league. The games in the middle of the week are almost always the cups. Just the way you do it. Okay, uh, now we can return to what our bread and butter is, and that is the Premier League. Whew. Took a long time to get there, uh, but we do have matches coming up tomorrow. Uh, the great and powerful. The great and powerful Arsenal host Southampton in a game that if they don't win, the league is over. So all these games get very, very pressurized for Arsenal. Arsenal face Southampton. This is not much to talk about. They've got to get off the mat. They've got to score goals early and put Southampton away. If they don't, it's over. I expect them to do it. Southampton are probably about to be relegated, but who knows? But who knows? Now, the early game on Saturday, Fulham versus Leeds at Craven Cottage. Leeds are slipping badly. Javi Gracia, just two games in a row, giving up over five goals. Leeds not looking good. Fulham getting off the schneid, defeating Everton. They've got themselves back together. I mean, they were never worried, but they you don't want to go out with a whimper. So Marco Silva gets a couple good results and two, two in a row for Fulham to move themselves forward and get themselves together. Craven Cottage, never an easy place to go. Uh, Jao Paulinha will never let that team lose. And Pereira's had a great season. So they'll continue that one. But for Leeds, they've got to try and get points or they will be relegated. They are one point out of the relegation zone. That's my understanding. Then back to the relegation zone. At the 3 p.m. kickoffs, Crystal Palace host Everton. My God, Everton. This is it. It's fucking do or die time. Uncle Roy wants to kick your ass because they've been scoring goals for fun. But Everton may have Calvert-Lewin back. This is a must win for Everton. They are out of the relegation zone on goal difference alone, sitting just above Nottingham Forest. It has to happen. I know Everton, you don't play well on the road. You've got to find a fucking way. It's time. It's time. Win a game, Sean Dyche. You had a bump. You beat Arsenal. It's time, Boyle. It's time. Then the great and powerful Aston Villa go to the Amex, the Amtech, Amex. No, G Tech. 
the GTEC Stadium where Brentford play. Um, uh, Brentford, you know, they're kind of sitting mid-table. Their season's kind of petering out. But the great and powerful Unai Emery has Europe on his mind. Ollie Watkins scoring, I think, 14 and 11 games, 14 goals in 11 games or 11 and or 12 and 11. Ollie Watkins has scored in every game since January 1st. He's on fire. Ollie Watkins on fire. Da, 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 uh, feels like a game I've never seen, but they have a little beef, Brentford and Aston Villa, from their days in the championship, a playoff match that I believe Steve Bruce defeated the great and powerful Ollie Watkins and Brentford before he went on to Aston Villa. So Unai Emery will have his work cut out for them. Their last game against Newcastle was probably, from Villa fans I've heard, their best performance in decades. I'm not being funny. Aston Villa playing really, really well under the great and powerful Good evening, it's Unai Emery. Then Liverpool go to Anfield. Sorry, Nottingham Forest go to Anfield. Not in the face, man. Not in the face, Nottingham Forest. This is the immovable rock and the hard place. The home destroyers, Liverpool versus the worst road team in the league. Nottingham Forest to get something out of Anfield. It's just not going to happen. If this was 1981, this would be a much more interesting game, but it's 2023 and Nottingham Forest are going to lose this game. Uh, sorry, Christian. It's not looking good. Does Cooper get fired? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Um, then we have the last game of the 3 p.m. group, Leicester City versus Wolves. Wolves are playing great. Lopetegui's a great coach. We've been talking about this. There are great coaches coaching teams in lower leagues of the Premier League. Lopetegui coached Real Madrid, coached Spain. This is like the most name brand, name brand coach there is. And Wolves are there. They are a striker away from being top half into that table. I know there's only so many top half teams, but you know what I mean. And Leicester, they showed some fight in the second half versus City, but the first half, those first three goals, just put that game to bed. If Leicester are going to win this game, this is a game they have to try to win, win, win. Come on, Leicester. We want you in the league. You are in trouble. Um, the United late game is being postponed because United are playing Brighton. So Chelsea, you get a week off. Um, then on Sunday, Bournemouth, mighty Gary O'Neill takes on West Ham on a Thursday, Sunday, West Ham would love to get a draw here just to make sure they're safe. But Bournemouth, another win, and they are as safe as safe can be. Bournemouth and Gary O'Neill, coach of the year? Maybe? Dominic Solanke, fucking legend. And like I said, Billing and Solanke, that when they are in the side, when Neto came back, their really good goalkeeper really changed everything for Bournemouth. They stopped shipping as many goals. They were very weak on set pieces. But once they got that kind of spine of, of Solanke to Billings into Neto, I suppose there's a defender in there somewhere, and they were clear about what their plan was at the January window to get fast counterattacking teams because they knew they'd sit deep. They had a plan. They had a way they wanted to do it, and they've executed. So Gary O'Neill gets a lot of credit for that. Bournemouth taking it up. Just remember, remember the first two weeks of the season, Scott Parker blasting the club saying, oh, I cannot win with this team. What are they supposed to do? I'm a loser. He did end up going to Belgium in the Champions League. He got fired from that team too. He got fired twice. Gary O'Neill has this team safe. That's on you, Scott Parker, you fucking bum. Take your sweater and blow it out your ass. Anyway, and probably the game of the weekend. Oh, there's two games of the weekend. 
no problem. No, there's only one game of the weekend. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. This was postponed. The game of the weekend is now Newcastle United versus Tottenham at St. James's park, the zombie Spurs who are just the worst good team I've ever seen, how they are still in a battle for the top four. I have no fucking idea. Um, Newcastle coming off getting beat pretty bad by Aston Villa. Just a great performance. What are you going to do? Uh, they still only have four losses all season. Newcastle at home are about as good a bet as you can get. Um, but Tottenham somehow find a way to get results in these fucking games. I don't know. I do have a question, Spurs fans. Is Levy actually a good general manager and steward of the club? Do you actually hate him? I tend to think he's good, uh, especially when you look at where Spurs were before, where they are now. When Levy took over the club, they did not have the training ground. They did not have the stadium. They were at White Hard Lane. They had not really had any top four finishes. And since he's taken over with Harry Redknapp, they've had top four finishes. They had the Bale years. They found Modric. Um, they've done. They've had the Vandervaart years. They've done really good things. And I think that it's the hope that's gotten you. Levy's good. Is he going to win you the league? Maybe not, but he has tried. He has tried. He, under, he overestimated the side. Is, is that so bad? Like he thought you were really close because you had Kane and Son and thought that a, a winning manager would push you over the top. He was wrong. Lots of people are wrong. But he's still finishing in the top eight. He's still got spurs in Europe. And they're going to try and go again. Got the guy some slack. I think that Levy's been good. I think it's a little ridiculous of Spurs fans to expect more than they are. Uh, do they want to win a trophy? Yes, I understand it. I think they want to win a trophy. They want to be up there. They want to have the revenue there. But it's luck. There's a there's just a little there's just a little bit of luck missing from Spurs in that they missed a little bit of a window when they should have bought and they didn't. They haven't had perfect windows. They can't afford to make mistakes. Like Davidson Sanchez can't not replace Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer has got to go. You can't keep Hugo Lloris that extra season or two that you had him there. They should have sold Kane maybe three years ago when he was at his peak in terms of value. I understand all those things and it's difficult, but I think that Levy's a good operator. I don't think the, the league is passed him by. I think he'll go again and push on. I really do. I really think that Levy's a good operator and lots of clubs would be happy to have something like this. Is he Tony Bloom? Is he Tony Benheim? The, 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 the owners of Brighton and... And um, Brentford, respectively. No, but he's a shepherd of Spurs. He does understand what it means to be a Spurs supporter. He does understand what it means to put the team in a better position. If he left tomorrow, he has put Spurs in a better position than they were before he got there. He's a good GM. Is he the best? No, but it could be worse. You could be Everton, right? Or you could go through United under Edwards. You know what I mean? Like, be careful what you wish for. Levy's not that bad. Okay, uh, and Brighton Man United, Man City has been canceled. So we went through a lot. There was a lot there. There are a lot things to go. Uh, let's just summarize. FA Cup is going to be... Um, FA Cup Saturday is going to be United versus Sheffield. 
Sunday is going to be Brighton versus, sorry, City versus Sheffield, and then Brighton versus United, and then our big games for the week. Arsenal tomorrow versus Southampton to make sure the league is going. Then Spurs versus Newcastle on Sunday, along with um, some relegation battles in the middle there. Uh, United have Chelsea have the week off. Brighton have the week off. Big game tomorrow. And then the Champions League semifinals and Europa League finals all set up. Okay, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast. And I have lost the end of the show notes. But uh, I say them every week and I can't remember what they are. We are members of the Chop Sports Network and we record on Mondays and Thursdays. So please rate, review, share the show. And please, thank you, thank you, thank you. And go City and go the treble. I want it. What's wrong with wanting the trouble? I don't care. Let us do it. 